Welcome to episode 11 of the Golf Betting System podcast. We are talking the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship on the European Tour and the Career Builder Challenge on the PGA Tour this week. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me is our European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Welcome, Paul. How are you this morning? Yeah, good morning, Steve. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. How are you? I'm okay. We haven't got, for regular listeners, we haven't got Barry O'Hanrahan this week. Uh, Barry's, I was going to say sunning himself in Edinburgh, but he certainly, from what I've seen on uh, on his feed last night, he was uh, drinking himself into oblivion in Edinburgh last night. But um, he's, he's, he's away for this week. Hopefully we, uh, we can have... Uh, Barry back for what's going to be a packed week next week. We've got Torrey Pines and we've also got the Dubai Desert Classic, so a real cracking week next week. Um, a little bit of housekeeping just before we crack on. Um, golfbettingsystem.co.uk is the website. All of our content, i.e. our previews, our predictor models, all of our free statistics, everything that you need for this week's golf betting is available at golfbettingsystem.co.uk. I'm Steve Bamford. I'm available on Twitter at Bamford Golf, and Paul is available at Golf Betting. Uh, another thing, just quickly want to mention, um, we are running our Punters League again for the eighth season on the road, sponsored by Paddy Power. All we need from you, and we run this via our Facebook group, um, I'm going to put a link to all of this information beneath the screen here if you're listening to this on Podbean. Um, £250 or euros of free bet first prize available from our sponsor Paddy Power. There's also a £25 or €25 free bet for each weekly winner. So it's interesting, even though you may have missed out on the first two weeks of the competition, lots of weekly prizes throughout the year and, let's be frank, you can catch up. So um, enter via our lively Facebook group. And all we need from you are three picks for both tournaments this week. So three for Abu Dhabi and three for the career builder. The first tee-off time at the Abu Dhabi Championship is when Paul closes the competition on our Facebook group. So, punters league, get involved with that. Another thing we wanted to mention before we crack on, um, iTunes reviews. It'd be fantastic if you could just leave some notes, some feedback around exactly what you like about the podcast, anything you might want to see included. So anything that you can place in the iTunes reviews or on the Podbean reviews section or if you're listening to this on TuneIn, on an Android, anything you can leave in the review comments is always most welcome. So uh, whatever feedback you've got for us, good or potentially bad, just leave it with uh, with us. Um, we're hearing that, I mean, we're new to this podcast Malarkey, but iTunes reviews. Let's spread the word about the podcast. Clearly, we want to uh, get more and more listeners. Okay, we're going to start this week with what clearly is the biggest tournament of the week the Abu Dhabi HSB Championship on the European Tour. And from memory, Paul, it's always star studded, it's always got a couple of fantastic players that come across from the PGA Tour. And I know that Ricky Fowler won it a couple of years ago, but we've seen a lot of shock results, haven't we, at this particular tournament? Yeah, yeah, we have. It's um, it's, it's one of those. It's one of the one of the three Middle East events um, that traditionally used to run 
um, in consecutive weeks. We used to have uh, Abu Dhabi, then um, the Qatar Masters, then Dubai Desert Classic. And so it's changed a bit this year. We're, we're going straight into Dubai next week and Qatar's following on in a two or three weeks time. In fact, in fact four weeks time, I think. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, it tends to attract um, some of the bigger names. Dustin Johnson's coming over this week. We've got Rose, McElroy, Stenson, Paul Casey, who plays most of his golf over on the PGA Tours over as well. Um, Matt Kuchar's come over. Um, there's a few big names, as you say. Fowler won it a couple of years ago. Uh, Spieth came over and went head-to-head with, uh, with Rory for favouritism um, a year or two back as well. Um, but these guys don't necessarily always win, so um, it's worth bearing that in mind when uh, when you're looking at the uh, when you're looking at the odds. And what are we looking like odds. in terms of prices of previous winners? Then always something to reference. Yeah, it's um, it, it varies because if you go back um, to the very start of when this uh, when this event started back in '06, um, you're talking Chris DeMarco winning winning the winning the event. You went through a period then with uh, Paul Casey and Martin Keimer swapping uh, victories uh, pretty much year after year, um, and. Going back to Kymer's first two, or his second two wins, fourteen to one in twenty ten, eight to one in twenty eleven. So, uh, not particularly big prices. But from then on, it starts to get a bit more interesting. You have got Robert Rock in twenty twelve. It was one hundred and fifty to one, um, and he held off the likes of Tiger Woods that year. Jamie Donaldson a year after at sixty sixes. Uh, Pablo Larrabal at one twenty fives. Gary Stahl one fifties when he uh, when he went after one after Martin Keimer blew that ten shot lead. Um, yeah, less said about that the better. Sixteen to one for Fowler was um, twenty sixteen uh, the twenty sixteen result, which was one of the shorter prices. And then Tommy Fleetwood last year at sixty to one. And that was a big price for Tommy. Obviously, he hadn't really broken through to the extent that he has now. Um, and uh, despite some decent uh, current form at the time, uh, 61 was available on Tommy, which was uh, you know a big old price in hindsight. Oh yeah, I mean that that this was the this was the launch pad, wasn't it, for Fleetwood last year? Yeah, absolutely. You know, undoubtedly, he went, he went on to win again in the year. You know, um, clearly he held on at the. Um, the uh, DP World Tour Championship, or um, Justin Rose, kind of handed him the, um, the the race to Dubai title in the end because he had a chance to win it, particularly with the position he was in on the uh, Sunday coming home. Um, but you know, fair play to Tommy. He's had a, he's had a cracking uh, cracking year, and um, you know he's, he's up to 18th, 19th in the world now, something like that. And uh, you know, there's, there's scope for him to push on further. I think he's. Uh, He's showing us what it's all all about, and obviously the Ryder Cup this year um, on his horizon too. So um, yeah, big year planned. Played for it for me, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is it. You, you could see you could see Fleetwood pushing on to uh, to potentially contending some WGCs and majors this year. Absolutely, absolutely. Abu Dhabi Golf Club designer is uh, Haradine. It's 1998. The course clearly a desert golf course. Par 72, length 7,583 yards. So it's a bit of a beast. Yeah, is, it's yeah, it's, it's it's similar kind of length to last week, the uh, the one we had at South Africa, except that the South mm. African track was clearly at um, at altitude, and this one's not. So, um, it's a longer track. It's it's long. It's it's flat. It's desert, as you say. So it's um, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those attackable yet um, long courses that you find out in the Middle East. Um, 
It's funny if you go back through the history here, because to start with, it was a relatively easy test. You know, you're talking 20 under type um, scores. Martin Keimer got to 24, I think, one year uh, when he won by eight shots. And then they tied it up in 2012 um, and the, the winning score went straight down. Rock won at 13 under, Donaldson and Bell 14 under. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's eked up a little bit since then. Stowe was 19, Fowler 16, Fleetwood 17 under last year, but uh, certainly not up in the kind of 20, 24 under type bracket. So it's a little bit more of a more of a test, but certainly not um, you know not a pure technical test that you you see from uh, some, some from some tracks that we come across. We're also seeing Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass Greens this week for listeners. That's um, the same surface that we saw at Wireline last week on the Sony Open. And it's also very similar to what we're seeing at PGA West this week on the Career Builder Challenge. So Tiff Dwarf Bermuda. What kind of skill sets do you think are critical this week then, Paul? Yeah, well, being able to putt on the Tiff Dwarf is um, important for starters because um, as opposed to some of the other strains of Bermuda, it is relatively grainy. So um, mm. it's, it's not really for... For all uh, you know, full tastes. Um, it's quite quick as well. It tends to get to about twelve and a half on the stimp here. So um, yeah, you need you need to be able to play that. But first and foremost, um, it's about ball striking. This 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 test for me. Um, you need to hit the fairways. You need to hit greens. Uh, uh, Fleetwood last year um, hit over ninety percent of greens in regulation during the course of the uh, four days. And um, typically, if you're gonna do well here you need to find a lot of greens um you you can get by um if you have a particularly good week scrambling and putting but um i'd err on the side of uh, ball striking first and foremost and that's that kind of bears out with some of the winners that we've seen here in general um you know fowler when he won again he had a fantastic week from tee to green and you go back to the likes of casey and keimer who've dominated who, who dominated this event at the start and um you're seeing two very strong ball strikers there, so um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'd uh, where I'd start from. Um, going into current form and event form for this, um, it does throw some interesting stats up because if you look back at the last six winners, um, each of them had a, a top ten at least, and I mean at least in the last four starts and a lot of them had uh, decent incoming form of maybe one or two consecutive top 10 finishes so they'd all shown quite a quite a decent bit of form in coming to this and I talked about Fleetwood a second ago his form coming in was 37th 22nd 14th 9th and 3rd so he clearly had a strong progression of form um, yet he was still available 60 to 1. Mm. Um, and if you look at you, you read into it I guess the, the, the main reason for that is Fleetwood and Similar to some of the other winners here, um, if you exclude going back to the likes of Keimer and Casey, uh, Fleetwood had very poor course form. Um, he'd missed the cut on four or five attempts here before winning. Uh, Fowler had finished, uh, played once and he'd finished 66. Stow had missed the cut on his only other start. Um, you know, th- these aren't particularly strong uh, indicators of impending success. So um, it's, it's, it's an interesting dilemma to try and work out because yes you want someone who's in form um, t- you tend to have a look and see who's played the course well before and um, that seems, course, to yeah. been, seems to have been a bit of a red herring to be honest. Are there any similarities you found statistically between winners sort of moving into the event? Anything that kind of link, I mean it's difficult I understand you know Robert, you try and link Robert Rock, Pablo Larazabal and Ricky Fowler together it's not easy. <laughs> so is, is, is there any statistic that you kind of picked out from your research? 
the, 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 before last year, I'd have said you, you'd need to have had a strong um, recent putting performance because each of the each of the previous five winners had shown something on a on a very recent test, um, a very recent outing. But clearly, Tommy's game isn't about putting, and he hadn't really shown that yet. He's still still got the job done. And um, really, if you look past the ball striking as being the, the kind of the fundamental um, building block for this, then um, built bogey avoidance is the only real correlation that you'll find from all of the players. So if you look, Fleetwood only made four bogeys in the course of the week. Fowler six, Stow six, uh, Larathbell five. You know, the, the, you, you need to be keeping your your card clean um, as much as you possibly can over the course of the uh, course of the four days to be getting uh, close to a contending score here. So it's kind of more patient, more um, more measured approach to, to golf that's going to get the job done here. So you kind of you gung ho aggressive types who are going to make birdie bogey birdie bogey. I don't think they're really going to going to be the ones who are going to be contending in this. Now I'm I'm right here. Am I right in the thinking that the European Tour don't publish bogey avoidance stats? No, they don't. Um, so we, we kind of collate them here for the purpose of the predictor model. Um, yes, and, so it's well it's well worth referencing the European Tour predictor this week. I'm just I'm just, I'm just reading through the top ten of our bo- of bogey avoidance, just to you know give the listeners some some idea on this because it's clearly a statistic, you know, a bit like par three, par four, par five performance that the European Tour don't tend to collate. So, you know, running through, I'll go in reverse order just to really build up the tension. 10, Afibanra, 9, Poulter, 8, Richie Ramsey, 7, Tilbjorn Olsen, 6 is McElroy, 5, Josel Alton, 4, Alexander Bjork, 3, Henrik Stenson, 2, Thomas Aiken, and number 1 is Tommy Fleetwood. And that bogey avoidance includes not just European Tour, Paul, this is correct, yeah, but all PGA Tour and world events, yeah? This, um, yeah, so this this, will, this is all of the European Tour events plus the WGCs and majors. So, right, OK, um, yeah. So, yeah, you've, you've got the players who come over and play the WGCs and majors will be included in those um, events as well. It's not a combination of PGA Tour and European Tour. No, OK, players. right. It's just but, the European, yeah. It's, it's kind of it's kind of weighted towards the Euro Tour in that respect, but um, interesting. Yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 tell, it tells an interesting story, definitely. And um, you look at the likes of Tommy. Clearly, that's that's what his game's about. Thomas Aiken as well. Mm. Um, you know, he's a metronomic player. Tita Green is absolutely fantastic. It doesn't make a massive amount of mistakes, um, but he doesn't make enough birdies to really contend. Um, no. the, you know, the amount of times that he should. Uh, Yost Loughton's another one. Um, you know, Tita Green, when he's playing well, he's, he's very, very strong. Um, and it's just when he gets that spark with a putter that you can uh, you can kind of see that there's a chance for him to win. So um, It's worth mentioning our predictor models because we don't give them enough credence. I, don't, I think we do internally, but we don't promote them probably as much as we should. But just to, to make you guys aware to listeners, new listeners, we, pu- we pull together uh, predictor models each and every week. I mean, these predictor models have been around since back. Uh, I think we first built the first one back in two thousand and seven, um, and we we throw a lot of statistics, which are regularly updated each week. But the the main thing about them is Paul and I use them to uh, as as a good tool to to look at the field and, and pull fields into a more manageable amount of players for a shortlist. But just looking at the high end, uh, the Century Tournament, the Champions, a couple of weeks ago, we both published predictor models. As well as part of our regular uh, weekly tip uh, tip feature, 
And um, my predictor model for the century included Dustin Johnson at number four. And I know that's not a great shot. You know, he was only eight to one or seven to one or something like that. But even last week, Patton Keziah, who I think was... Did I see something uh, as big as 80 to one about Keziah? Yeah, absolutely. 80s was there. He, he sat in the top four of last week's published predictor model. And, you know, we all live with regrets. I regret going Siwoo Kim. I, you know, I'm, I'm always uh, trapped in the headlights of Siwoo Kim. Um... But, you know, really, Kazaya statistically was a great fit last week for Sony. And that just came clearly through on the predictor model. So do you just want to, do you want to quickly run through the top five of your predictor model this week, Paul? Or even yeah. go through the top ten if you want. Yeah, let me do, I'll just, I'll just pull it up on the screen. Yeah, so, um, yeah, let's go back to top ten because there are some big players here, so you don't want to miss any out. Um, tenth was Brandon Grace, who clearly came came very close to uh, to winning last year, uh, last week rather, um, getting pipped by uh, a fantastic performance from Chris Paisley. Uh, Till Hatton in nine, Kiradak Afin Barnrat in uh, in eighth, who was playing really well um, at the back end of last year, didn't really impress last week at the. Um, the Eurasia Cup, mind. Um, Paul Casey in seventh, who, um, again, his ball striking last week looked pretty good at the uh, Eurasia Cup, but his putting was um, was pretty poor. Rory McIlroy in sixth. Um, Rory's finished second here four times, so um, clearly course form-wise, um, if you do want to use that as an indicator, Rory's right up there. He hasn't played since October, so... We should wait and see how um, how he how he comes out of the blocks. Justin Rose in fifth. Um, again, Rose is playing really well at the back end of last year. Um, Kymer in fourth, who's won three times here. Stenson third, um, who warmed up last week at the Eurasia Cup in uh, Kuala Lumpur. Um, and again, Stenson's finished um, second here in the past. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood in second, um, and obviously last week uh, last year's winner. Um, and again, he played pretty pretty good. Golf last week um, over in uh, Malaysia, and uh, number one, Dustin Johnson. I don't think you can dispute really if you were to put any statistical model together for who's going to win this golf tournament. I think every one of them should come out with Dustin Johnson at the top. Um, it's the five to one favourite with the bookies, and uh, quite rightly, um, he's the the man to beat this week. Um, I, I, as to whether he gets the job done, we we, we shall discuss in a minute. Always the danger with win-only bets. Yeah. Grace Backers found that last week. I'll just run you through the top of the market quickly and then maybe you can have some views on, on the players. DJ at fives, uh, Rosie at eights, Rory McIlroy being backed in eight to one. There's a little bit of nine still out there if you're quick. We're recording this uh, Tuesday morning in uh, over in the UK. Henrik Stenson, 18s. Paul Casey at 20s. Uh, Brandon Grace, 22 Tommy Fleetwood, 22. There's a little bit of 28 on Hatton and a tiny, tiny bit of 33 on Martin Kaimas. And then we're out to the likes of Rafa Cabrera-Bello at 35s with Kuchar at 35s. And then Fitzpatrick, Peters, uh, 40 to 1. And then Bernd Wiesberger, 50 to 1 with Kiridesh Afibanrat. Where are you heading then, Paul? In terms of, I mean, what are your views on the on the on the big names this week, and where are you heading with your actual tips this week? Yeah, it's. Um, I, I I wouldn't be. I don't think anyone would be surprised. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Dust, John, Dustin Johnson did win this. Um, and five to one, uh, you give him five attempts to win this tournament in his current form. I mean, he won won the century by eight shots. Um, 
and it, you know it, it was it was easy he felt incredibly comfortable in his long game and that makes DJ a very very dangerous player um, it's world number one is the best player in the world so if he comes with that kind of form um, he's going to go very very close he was second last year um, he beaten by Tommy Fleetwood who birdied the last hole uh, DJ eagled the last to, to make it uh, you know, to, to keep Tommy honest effectively but, um, but no fair play to Tommy coming home in 31 last year and uh, getting, the, getting the job done um, Rose McElroy Rose at the back end of last year was fantastic um, he, he won a couple of times at the back end um, McElroy we've not seen as I say since October so the thing with these players, you're talking about five to one, eight to one, eight to one. And I put, I put a little piece in my preview about some previous single uh, priced players um, going back to 2013. And if you listen to this, 2013, Rory McIlroy was five to one. Tiger Woods was 15 to two. Uh, neither of them won. 2014, McIlroy was six to one, didn't win. Stenson was eight to one, didn't win. 2015, McIlroy was four to one, didn't win. The year after 2016 was the same price, four to one, didn't win. Spieth was nine to two that year, didn't win. Last year, Dustin Johnson was six to one. Stenson was seven to one. Neither of them won. So if you're going near these players at the top of the market, the fives, the eights to eight, you know, eight to one type uh, prices, you've got to be pretty wary um, as to what's happened in the past here. Now that doesn't mean the same thing's going to happen this year. Not by any stretch of the imagination. You know. The history is there to be beaten, but um, I, I would be a little bit wary about backing those players at those kind of prices, um, particularly as they should be a win-only bet at that price. Well, unless you go down the Jeremy Chapman route of putting Justin Johnson up at each way an each way bet at five to one. <laughs> yeah, and, back, and backing it up with Rose at, at eight. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's you know, it's not a strategy that I would employ because you know I I, I don't bet like that. That's that's not how. Um, that's, that's, it's, it's, there's no interest in me doing that, and okay, if he gets a, gets a winner, then then so be it. But um, but no, I've I've gone past those guys, and um, you know I've looked a little bit further down for my first pick, and I after watching um, parts of the Eurasia, Eurasia Cup last week, um, Tommy Fleetwood was the first name that came to my mind, and I know he's defending this week, and defending can always be um, a challenging. Uh, week for for any golfer, you know, regardless of how um, experienced or inexperienced you may be. Um, but um, when Tommy's striking the ball as he has been, um, he was striking it fantastically again last week. Um, and if you go back to his last start after um, the um, after the Earth Course um, at the back end of last year, he played in Hong Kong and he. Again, he was he was hitting greens and regulation for fun, eighty seven percent or thereabouts on that tight, tricky fanling course. I really expected Fleetwood after his um, triumph to fall backwards, but he didn't, did he? Because he, he kept playing very well in Hong Kong. Yeah, and then he even went to the Tiger Challenge event out in the uh, Bahamas and was a decent price. I think he was something like twenty five. He was tipped up, and sure enough, came bang straight out of the out of the gun. And was first round leader. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't think Tommy's afraid. He's not afraid to um, to mix it with the 
the, the big players at the top of world golf. And no, so, absolutely. And, uh, this is another opportunity for him to, uh, to 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 play his trade to to show us what he's made of. He's got some big names here this week that um, he's competing against. Yet he's the man with the name on the trophy, um, and yeah, it's a big year for Tommy. He's um, he he, sh- he should be a shoe in for the Ryder Cup, of course. Um, but um, you know he's he's still got to um, perform over the course of this year, and uh, this is a great opportunity for him to get um, you know to put a stake in the ground and uh, and and show us what he's made of. Three points from three last week. Um, uh, you know he, he played played alongside uh, Paul Casey, and they won their pairs. He played alongside Stenson, won that. Um, he won his singles match. He was very very strong from tee to green, and he was making some decent putts and um, you know some some decent chipping from off the green as well. His game looked in in good shape. So nice little warm up for his defence. Oh, um, Paul Casey, he's turned Mister European all of a sudden, isn't he? He's like the number one European tour player, or you know. <laughs> He, he, he's wearing the, the blue and the yellow, yeah, just like it's going out of fashion. Yeah, it's, ama- it's amazing what happens every couple of years to uh, to, the, to these players when uh, when there's you know the lure of the Ryder Cup um, yeah, on the incredible. rise. But, uh, but yeah, Paul Casey's going to have to putt a little bit better than he, he was last week, and certainly you know he's he's one of these players that um, really can struggle with a putter. One, you know, going back to Tommy, one of the things that I think he's massively improved on is his putting. You know, we know he's a fantastic uh, tee to green player and when he's playing well, he does hit greens in regulation with alarming regularity. But um, also when he's winning tournaments, he's making putts, not just short putts, but he's making decent mid and long range putts as well. And, uh, you know, he gets that putter going again this week to any degree and he's going to be a very, very strong player. Um, so yeah, I, I like Tommy. I've gone uh, two points each way on him at twenty to one with the seven place option with Betfair. There's a little bit of twenty twos if you'd rather have five and a quarter, um, but uh, but yeah, I've taken seven and a fifth with Betfair um, on him this week to give me a better chance of return. Do you think this course suits the likes of a, a Brandon Grace, who you know we've had many a conversation about Brandon, the fact that he's always one of those players that can really kick on the week after and actually build upon a, a contending performance the week before. Is yeah. it a kind of, is it a grace friendly track this one? Because I'm sure plenty are looking at him at twenty twos. Yeah, and I did have a look, good look at him, Steve. I've got got to say I was I he he was right down to the to the kind of final decisions that I was making as to whether to go with him or not. He may be deflated after last week. Um as you say the the, the to counteract that, he tends to be this second week type performer where he does have a warm up and he, he plays well. He's won twice in Qatar. Um, he's got a couple of, couple of top five finishes here to his name as well. Mm. Um, so there's there's far worse bets. I think um, you're not getting a great price on him, but you're getting you're getting twenty twenty twos that kind of price again, similar to Fleetwood. And um, I I want someone who's hitting and striking the ball slightly better than him to 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 be part of my team this week and mm-hmm. um, you know I don't know if he comes out and hits 80% of fairways and similar kind of number of greens he's going to he's going to get very very close to it um, but he's generally not been up to that kind of level um, where, are you he- where are you heading with your money then in terms of the second selection yeah I kind of I, I did go around the houses with this a bit because um, because Grace was right up there with my thoughts um, second selection I've gone for is Martin Keimer. Now, I've been, been bitten with Keimer before because I, I was on him that year when he collapsed and let Gary Stahl through. And, um, you know, as disappointing as that, as that is, it's a, um, 
you'd like to think it's a one-off in that it's very, very unlikely that kind of thing's going to happen again to the same player, and yeah, let alone any player. Um, but when you boil it all down, Kaiman loves this track. He's won three times. He's been runner-up. Even when he's not been playing so well in the last few years, um, he's still you know produced top, uh, top four, top six finish two out of the last three years. Um, and there's no reason, I don't think, why Karma can't produce a decent performance here this week. I think it's going to have a big year. Again, it's you know, he's got this lure of the um, the Ryder Cup at the end of the year. He's going to want to start the year with a with a bang. And uh, it's interesting listening to some of his uh, comments at the back end of last year, where he switched his uh, he switched his irons to blades um, and you know, the little smile on his face when he was talking about it and and saying that he felt he was striking the ball back to the days when he used to um, dominate this event in particular. Um, I think that's a good, good sign for him. Clearly, if he's comfortable with his equipment, um, then, then he's, going to be, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. He's, you know, he's 33 years old. He's, he's not over there all by any stretch of the imagination. This is, th- these are his results here. First, second, first, first. Miscut in 2012. Terrible. Sixth, thirty-first, third, sixteenth, fourth, and you're getting him at thirty-three to one. Yeah, again, I've got, I've gone um, a point and a half each way, thirty to one with a seven price, a seven place no. option. Um, but yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, go, you, you, you can get thirty-threes if you want to go down the, um, you know, get, get fewer places for it. But um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, given the um, given the field. Um, I think Kaim has got a great chance of placing, and if he gets into position, then who's to say that he can't draw on those experiences from from years ago and um, and get over the line again? You know, he's got he's got a demon to exercise there from the uh, from the capitulation um, three years ago. But um, we know, we know he struggles with his putting. Yes, um, that's that's clearly you know the short game's been the issue over the last sort of forty eight months, oh, not forty eight, twenty four months. But even you know, you listen to this. So he was sixteenth for putting average. Last year, when he was equally as inept with a putter moot coming into the tournament, twenty sixth and third in twenty fifteen, and twenty sixth again in twenty fourteen. So, on a on a track where he's been twelfth, fifteenth, and ninth in the last three outings for greens in regulation, he's he's going to be near the top of the leaderboard with those kind of numbers. You'd assume so, yeah. And you know, going back to his you know his equipment um, improvements and, and tweaks that he's made. Um, he finished fifth at the Ned Bank on his penultimate start. Um, he was second for GIR that week. And he finished 17th for the Earth course. Now, 17th doesn't sound fantastic. He's been very vocal over the years about how he dislikes the Earth course and he doesn't get on with it. From um, You know, it doesn't, just doesn't suit his eye. Um, and he was top 10 in all of the different tee to green categories, total driving, ball strike and accuracy. He was he was top 10 in all of those for that particular week. So clearly his long game, he's, he's percolating along very nicely. As you say, he's going to need to putt well, but he knows these greens, he knows this course, he's very, very comfortable on it. Um, he gets a, putt, a week with a putter in the 1.7s, he's going to go very, very close. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can, I can see that a mile off Martin Kymer. See? So yes, that's uh, that, that. That was the first two. I, there's, there's a there's a lot of play, a lot of players that I had looked at. Um, Kiradek, Effie Barmer, he was shortlisted as well. But again, after watching him last week um, at the, the Eurasia Cup, he he really really wasn't on his game, and um, you know I'd, I'd be a bit wary about uh, picking him up for this. Um, and another one who kind of came close was uh, George Coetzee, who. Um, he finished with a 66 last week, um, and he's got a great record in the uh, desert 
um, overall. But again, mm. I've, I've backed him before, you know, I've, I've backed him and he's been in fantastic positions coming up the last hole or two and uh, and thrown it all away. And um, he's the kind of player that can breed a little bit of frustration. So um, I've. There's, there's huge variances on Coatsy, isn't there? 66 is a short with Paddy Power. He's he's at uh, he's up to a hundred hundred and twenty five to one with certain bookmakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could you could take a chance on him, and um, he might run into a place. And um, he might equally be leading with three holes to go. And <laughs> yeah, over. and end up eight. Yeah, and you know you, you might have to trade out of him with um, you know on the sixty ninth hole and just walk away from your te- telly. And uh, this and is the point, him. Paul, isn't it? If you're if you're a trader. Or if you're not if you're not scared of trading, Coatsy can be very very profitable for you. But yeah. if you know if you're the kind of steadfast, I'm having a bet, I'm sticking to it each way places. He, he's the kind of guy that can break your heart. Yes, absolutely. Um, he can be very very frustrating. No, I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question. I'm just going to rewind to Kaima. Ryder Cup year. Yeah. Um, clearly, a, a talent, a two time major champion. Um, what are your views on him? He's down to seven. You know, he's he's way down now. He's down. He's outside the world's top fifty. Ryder Cup year. Do you think he's the kind of player that will you know find himself again in Ryder Cup year and 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 you know not just get a captain's pick but qualify for the team? I, what are your What are your views on him? I, I've I've got him down as having a very good year. Actually, yeah. In in my mind, he's the kind of player who does pull it round. He's he's been in the doldrums a little bit over the last last few years. But and going back to this particular interview, which was I'm sure it was after the um, after one of the rounds in uh, the Earth Course, where he was talking about going back to these these blades, um, and you could see by the look in his face that he felt comfortable and confident with his game and. You know, if if often you'll find if the the main strength of a player is struggling for whatever reason, it kind of manifests itself into yeah. um, other elements. Uh, you know, being equally or, or even worse. So if his long game's not quite there, he's not quite comfortable with with his setup. Then um, ultimately, he's putting. He's being put under pressure because he's not in it, hitting enough fairways and greens. You find that he suddenly starts hitting those fairways, hitting those greens, which we saw at the back end of last year. Does that take the pressure off of his putting? Well, quite possibly, because he's going to have more more chances to make those those birdies and eagles. If, um, if you go if you if you go back to uh, March last year, thirty eighth, forty sixth, thirtieth, twenty eighth, sixty seventh, fifty eighth, sixty first, sixty ninth. Right, those are his green in regulation numbers. Now yeah. that is not Martin Keimer. No, no, absolutely. But then recently. First, twentieth, sixth, second, twenty-first. He's start. He's starting to build that core strength back in his game. Yep, 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 yep. And if there's one place that any golfer would want to go to when they're starting to feel some confidence flowing back through their game, is to a course that they've dominated and performed well on in the past. And you know, I don't mean there's don't mean there's a better course in the world for Martin Keimer to come and build that kind of confidence. And you know. If, if, what happens this week if he gets a win with the with the players on show? You know, suddenly that um, OWGR rankings, you know, is skyrocketing back for him. He's starting to get to a point where he's back in the back in the top tournaments for the year. Um, he can um, accumulate those Ryder Cup points that are going to get him through the door um, automatically. I I I, I think Kymer's going to have a big year. So, you know, the proof will be in the pudding this week. But um, I'd expect him to have a good week and um, to really kick on from here. I think. I take it he's outside the Masters at the moment, yeah. He didn't finish inside the top fifty for um, for for, oh. for last year, so he needs to find a way in. Yeah, absolutely. 
Who, where are you going with your with your two bigger prices then? Yeah, so um, that's, that's seven, seven points of the ten that I'm spending so far on uh, Fleetwood and Kymer. So I've split the other two equally, so a quarter of a point each on uh, Yost Loughton and Hao Tong Lee. Um, now, Loughton's another player, and I, I kind of put him in the same kind of category as uh, as the likes of Fleetwood and Kymer to a degree. I don't think he's as, as good a player as those two, but in terms of style, he's very similar. Um, so when he's playing well, Tita Green is very, very strong. Um, he had a poor year last year by his own, um, you know, by, by his own standards. Yeah, at the back end of the year, he really pulled it round. He came second to Sergio Valderrama, and in fact, the score that he'd um, accumulated at Valderrama would have been good enough to win pretty much any other tournament have ever held at Valderrama. Except the year that obviously um, he had, he had uh, Sergio in front of him. Really impressive he was that week. Yeah, he Very was. Impressive. Yeah, he was, he was really impressive. And I, again, I, I back back Lauten quite a lot. And um, he, I was on him that week. And um, you know, disappointing not to see him get over the line. Um, Yo- so, Yost wasn't toast that week, was he? it? No, he, he, he was okay, man. <laughs> yeah, and he, you know, even on the Sunday, he really did push Sergio to the uh, to the end. You know, he he, he was. Um, he benefited from the albatross that he got in the middle of the tournament, which you know, to to get a you know a three three shot hike at any point during a, a, a tournament is going to help you along. Um, but you know, clearly his ball striking has been really strong over those you know the, the back end of those uh, uh, back end of the season. Even at the Earth Course, he finished forty fourth, and he, um, he his driving accuracy was second. His GIR was fifth. So from tee to green, he's uh, he's, he's been putting well. Uh, he's been, sorry, he's been uh, he's been striking the ball well. So um, he hasn't played since. So he's coming into this um, cold. So you could argue that perhaps he's um, you know he will need the run. We shall see. He's finished uh, top six six here twice when coming in colds in the past. So um, and in fact three of his last four attempts here he's finished in the top six. So going a quarter of a point eighty to one for a top seven here with Betfair again um, was the play for me. Um, I, you know, I, I can see see him doing exactly that. He's been out in the Middle East for the last week or so, practicing, getting himself acclimatized. So, will he be cold? Well, we shall see, won't we? We shall see. Um, and the final pick was Hao Tong Lee. And again, going back to the Eurasia Cup, he was one of the Team Asia players that really caught my eye. Now we know Lee's is a young, um, he's he's relatively long um, Chinese player who's um, decent from tee to green. Um, he was making a lot of decent putts last week in, uh, in Kuala Lumpur. Um, and, you know, he really did stand out. And this, this is a, he's, he's a player that um, is coming through the ranks. He finished um, third, you may remember, at the, uh, the Open Championship in July yeah. um, with a fast finishing uh, final round. Um, and he's, you know, he's really starting to, uh, to, to work his way through those... Um, through those rankings, he seems to have been around for donkey's years, doesn't he? He does. He, yeah. He's really, he's really young. Yeah, he's twenty-two. Yeah, wow. he's, I was surprised because he won the he won the uh, Volvo China Open back in twenty sixteen, I think it was. Um, and yeah, so he'd have been you know a, a twenty twenty-one year old at that point. And, wow. Um, you know, he's he, he, he's still learning his stride effectively, but. Um, he, he finished top twenty at, at Fanling again, and you know going to Hong, the Hong Kong Open and playing that course, particularly when you're relatively inexperienced, inexperienced as he is on a lot of these tricky um, tests, and he was he was second for total driving, first for ball striking there. Yeah. So clearly he's striking the ball very very well. Now this is his first attempt at Abu Dhabi, but I talked in the preamble about 
um, not necessarily needing to have fantastic course form to uh, to contend here, and you know it's it, it's flat and flat and exposed. You can see where he's going on this particular track. So um, yeah, I'm happy to take him on. I got him yesterday at um, 100 to one for six places. Um, fifth of the odds with Unibet, and um, there's still a bit eight, still a bit of eighties around this morning, um, and um, I know he's been tipped by a number of play, um, uh, other tipsters as well, so his price is likely to to drop quite dramatically over the next day or two. So if you fancy a bit of Hao Tong Lee, then I'd uh, jump on board quite quickly. He's certainly he's certainly hitting fairways and greens at the moment, isn't he? And that that's that's clearly a strength that we're looking for. I mean, fourteenth, fourth, and eleventh in his last three outings for greens in regulation. And those are some quite stringent tracks. I mean, Ned Bank Golf Challenge, Gary Player Golf Club. That's not an easy track tee to green. So, and of course, Fan Ling, Hong Kong, probably a tiny bit too tight for him, but still 14th for green. So he's, he's clearly, his ball striking is, I mean, he, was, he ranked number one in ball striking in Hong Kong. So he, he's at the top of his game. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's got a chance. So, uh, yeah, I'll just recap quickly then. So, the four I've gone for are Fleetwood, two each way at 20 to 1, Kaima, one and a half each way at 30s, uh, Loughton, quarter, uh, three quarters of a point at 80 to 1, um, all three of those with Betfair at seven places, and Haotong Lee, uh, three quarters of a point uh, at 100 to 1 with Unibet, six each way, fifth of the odds. Should be a decent tournament. Mm, yeah, looking forward to it. Always dominates this particular. Have they moved it? No, no, no. It's been. There. It's always. It's always this third week on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. They used to do the Volvo Golf Champions, which kind of moved things around slightly. But yeah, it's it's always the first of the uh, Middle East events that um, that uh, that we come across. And and then DJ flies back to Torrey Pines, jet lag. And struggles in the first round yeah. at uh, the Farmers Insurance <laughs> next week. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see what happens next week because obviously they changed the schedule, as I say, to uh, to have uh, the uh, Dubai Desert Classic to follow straight on. So I guess that's so that they're hoping some of the bigger names will play two consecutive weeks. But uh, we shall see. I've always had some Twitter heat. There's no such thing for these players getting jet lag, blah blah blah. But I, I know he struggled last year because I was on him. And I know Ricky Fowler, I think the year he won in Abu Dhabi, went back straight back home, missed the cut. Um, but it's an interesting, you know, the world players and how they, they travel. Career Builder Challenge. It hasn't got quite the same ring, has it? I must say. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know the Career Builder. It's always a bit all over the place for me. Um, I, do like, I do like trying to fathom out where we're heading with it in terms of um, you know, key constituents. Um, a lot of you will probably remember this on the PGA Tour as the old Bob Hope Classic, and um, that used to be played over f- five days from Wednesday through Sunday and at ninety holes. But um, the PGA Tour, I think the the players themselves pushed for the fact that it needed to be four days. It's still a pro am. And they play it, though, on three courses, um, a, two that are based uh, at the PGA West um, playing complex in, um, I think it's Boiling Springs or something, or it's, it's something like that. It's, it's La Quinta uh, over in California. And then they actually play La Quinta Country Club as well. That's the rotor. Now, that rotor has been in place now for three years. So if you go back any further 
uh, sorry, two years, this is the third year. If you go back any further on form, they're actually playing different golf courses. They used to play different courses, Nicholas, uh, Nicholas Private, Palmer Private. So just bear that in mind when you're looking at previous form. If you're seeing players that were fantastic and then all of a sudden the last couple of years they've gone a bit quiet, uh, that's probably because, because they're playing completely different courses. They now play the TPC Stadium course, which is a Pete Dye design. Um, so think, uh, think um, Players' Championship, TPC Sawgrass. This has actually got an island hole as well, the 17th. Uh, they also play the tournament course, which is a Nicholas, Jack Nicholas design. And they also play La Quinta Country Club. So three courses. Um, the weather this week is like playing inside a dome. Very little wind. I think Friday is some breeze in the afternoon. But the rest of it, you're looking at four to five mile an hour winds across the tournament. So it's going to be a good old-fashioned PGA Tour birdie fest. No doubt about that whatsoever. So Swafford won this last year at 20 under. And then the year before that... Jason Duffner won at 25 under. So I'm expecting that kind of score is going to be required to get the job done this was that week. Slight, was that slightly more difficult conditions last year when Swafford was... Um, yeah, there was, there, was, there was rain. Can you believe it? Rain in the Californian desert. There was rain and there was, uh, there was pretty much breeze across all four days. Yeah. So the scoring wasn't quite as sort of rocket ship as we were used to last year. But even so, 20 under is a decent uh, resort score. Resort score. Um, I don't know. It's Clearly, um, we, you, you can find some very, very good form links into um, Kapalua two weeks ago. Even last week, the Sony Open. Um, it was interesting that Kazaya won. Um, he plays, or he's based on Sea Island, and as we know, they play the RSM Classic there. Um, that course features Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass Greens, and lo and behold, he putted the lights out last week. Although I thought it was interesting, wasn't it? The fact, I mean, difficult to watch, but you know, he only hit 11 of 18 greens on the Sunday. He was absolutely all over the place, but he scrambled his heart out, made some big putts, got into the playoff with Jimmy Hahn, who finished like an express train and eventually outlasted Hahn. Yeah. So uh, you, you could see, because I said before the tournament last week, look for putters who were actually hitting a decent prerequisite amount of greens and Kaziah fell into that camp, but I've already bemoaned Siwoo Kim and Kaziah. <laughs> but mate, getting, getting the excuses in, Paul. But this, let's go back career builder challenge. I'll take you through the top 10 of this week's predictor model. I never mentioned before, predictor models, they're free of charge for you to use as well. You can pull out, pull out build whatever model you want as many times as you want, golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Another thing I haven't mentioned I'm going to throw in right now is DraftKings, Paul. We are running this week uh, 50-man competitions across both the Abu Dhabi and Career Builder Challenge on DraftKings. So I will put a link through beneath the description here on the podcast. Um, becoming very, very popular over here in the UK and Ireland, DraftKings. Um, we're getting now... I think the events tend to be full, don't they, on Wednesday Wednesday early evening now? Yeah, yeah they do. So um, they're, they're $3 entry tournaments. Um, as Steve said, they're, they're 50-man 50, uh, 50 tournaments. So... Um, yes, 
come along, follow, follow the link, and um, you can enter the tournament. If you have any trouble, then tweet Steve or myself with your DraftKings username, and we can invite you to the tournament directly, and um, we can go from there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really growing. It's good fun as well, because it's all real-time scoring once the tournament's live, and you can see your... Um, position relative to uh, everyone else in real time which is uh, which is good fun good it was fun. funny last week because i started really slowly i think i was 27th after round one and you kind of think uh crap and then round two i you know all of my players made the cut and you think well there's a few players above me here a few guys where you've got players that have gone missing and then you start aching up. So I finished fifth in the end, which I was quite pleased with. Yeah, I um, saw you. I saw you earn, earn a few uh, few dollars out of it. So yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's paid. That's paid for the. Uh, that's paid for my boys' food this week. <laughs> um, top ten of the predictor model for the career builder that I published yesterday: Charles Howe the third at ten, Andrew Landry at nine, Stuart Sink at eight. Sink. If there's a player that's got great numbers, it is Stuart Sink, and he never really gets in contention, does he? Uh, seven, Zach Johnson. Six, Lucas Glover. Five, Austin Cook, who interested me a lot this week. Four, Peter Uline. Three, Webb Simpson. Don't forget Uline now, a PGA Tour member. Three, Webb Simpson. Two, Shay Reevy. And number one, Brian Stewart. Now, Stewart, I think, was in the top five last week in the predictor model. I think he was second, actually. And he came from behind to grab an each-way payout. So, Stuart Reevy, Simpson, Uline, Austin Cook make the top six of this week's predictor, uh, top five of this week's predictor model. Right, okay, let's go just uh, into some heritage here before I crack on. Uh, these courses were played um, across a number of PGA qualifying school events. This is all detailed in my preview, link link to both of our previews beneath the uh, in the description on this podcast. Um, we're looking at Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass Greens again, although they're mixed with a bit of Poa Trivialis. So not quite as grainy as pure Tiff Dwarf, but they can be a real challenge for players. And Paul and I like, I mean, a lot of people argue that it's got no uh, no reference point whatsoever, but we do like to keep a tab on winning, uh, winning odds. And this is interesting here. Um, if I go back to Bill Haas in 2010, 100 to 1, Vegas 200 to 1, uh, Mark Wilson was 125 to 1, Brian Gay was 80 to 1. Uh, Patrick Reed in 2014. You're thinking Patrick Reed, oh, you know, world-class player, 135 to one. You know, it's not shouting John Rahm to me this this particular tournament. I have to say, uh, Bill Hass was 30s, Duffner was 40s, and Hudson Swafford last year was 66s. You average that out. That's 97 to one. If you look at the far, past four renewals since so since they've gone to the um, wraparound season that is 67 to 1 an average price of the winner here so that was a real mental note for me and in my notes from previous years where I've tipped up 12 to 1 22 to 1 and they've done nothing I've thought to myself for whatever you do Steve have a year where you actually go for some lots a lot more longer prices now let me read this out to you as well now these are this is the form in of players that have won this tournament okay so the form in of players that have won this tournament I'm going to go back to uh, Mark Wilson in fact now I'll go back to Johnny Vegas so he finished 57th on his outing before uh, Mark Wilson missed the cut uh, Brian Gay was 31st at the Sony 
Patrick Reed was 16th at Kapalua. Uh, Bill Hass was 48th at the HSBC, which was played the previous autumn. Uh, Jason Dustner was 9th at the Sony Open. And last year, Hudson Swafford was 13th at the Sony Open, although I think he was third with 54 holes. So recently, we have seen a move where um, complete freak kind of results haven't occurred. 41 and 66 to 1, so there's some form in that. I'll also read out, though, for listeners, the place, the immediate form of players that have also come back with each-way places, okay? This is 2016 and 2017 since we've moved to this new course rotor. Duffner was 9th. Lingmuth was 13th. Kevin Nile was 28th. Uh, Andrew Loopy, <laughs> I always love that. Andrew Loopy was a miscut. Uh, Phil Mickelson was 32nd. Jamie Lovemark was 7th. Hudson Swafford, 13th. Adam Hadwin, 10th. Um, we've got Bud Cawley, miscut. Brian Harmon, 20th. Bazelli, Campbell, both missed the cuts. And Brandon Steele was 6th. So by my reckoning, the best finish for an each-way payout since we've moved to this format the last two years has been 6th place. Brandon Steele, he finished 6th at Kapalua. So I just I'm throwing that out there, playing devil's advocate, because I'm sure that um, a lot of guys out there will be tipping up all of the short prices. But short prices tend to come with good form. So I've gone a I've gone a little bit deeper in the field this week. We're looking at John Rahm available uh, best price of ten to one right now. Uh, Brian Harmon at sixteens, Kevin Kisner at twenty two to one in a spot, but twenties generally. Patrick Reed twenty two to one, uh, but that's only available at Stan James. Webb Simpson at twenty fives. I'm sure he'll be popular. Phil Mickelson at twenty eights. I'm sure he'll be popular. Then we've got Duffner at thirty three. Zach Johnson a smidge of thirty threes out there, but generally twenty eights, thirties. Uh, Brandon Steele at thirty threes. Patton Kizaya, last week's winner. You will get a little bit of 40s if you're quick and go to Stan Jones. They've got some good prices in this, Stan Jones. Uh, Bud Cawley at 45s. Chesson Hadley at 50s. We're out to the 50s with Charles Howe, Shay Reavy, Brand Schnedeker, Kevin Chappell. And I'm ignoring them all. There you go. I'm ignoring them all, Paul. I mean, what do you think? What do you think on some... You know, these resort-type events, especially pro-ams... I mean, you can certainly make a case for John Rahm, clearly. Uh, second at Kapalua when I, was in, when I was on his back at 12 to 1. 10 to 1 looks a reasonable price. Um, there was a little bit of 11s out there, I think, yesterday. And then I read a tweet saying, well, I read his interview after he'd finished at Kapalua, saying that he was really looking forward to his next four tournaments on the West Coast. Um, he was particularly looking forward to Phoenix, Torrey Pines to defend, and also Pebble Beach three tournaments he loves and he's going to the career builder challenge because it's a bit of a favour to one of his sponsors who's going to be playing with him and <laughs> yeah, you just you just think right okay so does he really want to be playing clearly um he could probably finish in the top 10 with his eyes closed but at, at nine to one ten to one pretty much a win only price it doesn't yeah. it, it doesn't shout back him to me no and i, I, I 
you know, li- listening to the to the what you've just said about um, you know his motivations or lack of for uh, for attending, it's um, it, it, do, it does raise some question marks. And not only that, I think the format and a low scoring resort course can also throw, as, as you said, with some of the some of the winning prices, it can throw some strange results into the mix because these guys have just got to go out and make birdie after birdie after birdie, but getting momentum to be able to do that and these painfully slow uh, rounds can be particularly tough and it can be you know frustrating for a lot of the players and we've, we've seen before with Ryan when things aren't going right he is that kind of fiery um, player who can get quite upset quite quickly and if he you know, if you've got to wait five minutes between, you know, until his next shot because one of his playing partners is, you know, taking five eight putts on up. eight putts on the green like Absolutely. you and me. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the frustration is just building for him. As you said, he is a class player. He could he could walk the tournament. Of course, he could. Um, but you know, I I don't, I'm always well, I'm, I'm with you. I think you need to look a bit further down the list on these on the programs particularly, and also the resort courses. And you have got a combination of the two. Um, I think it's so, you need to be looking more at the kind of players who can get streaky runs together, who can um, who can make a lot of birdies, who have been who have been making a lot of birdies recently. Is always something I look for for this particular event. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you kind of use that as your building blocks to, uh, to trying to trying to pick out a uh, you know, a bit of value further down the further down the market as you've done. Swafford was um, 20 under last year, 66 to 1. He hadn't won for four and a half years. That, that was a web.com event. Um, he was, he, he's he's uh, Georgia-based, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Duffner, Alabama-based, 25 under. He was 40 to 1. He hadn't won for 18 months. Uh, Bill Haas, South Carolina-based, 2015. Uh, he was 30 to 1. He hadn't won for 19 months. So you've got to go back to Patrick Reed, who I think won the Wyndham in 2013 and then came here and won this 2014. It was only his second PGA Tour victory. And then the likes of Brian Gay, who hadn't won for 43 months. So, you know, it's not it's not shouting to me players who are at the very top of their game, who were finishing second, third, fourth, fifth last week at the Sony. So I've kind of stayed away from that. I'm, I'm going down the lines that you've gone down, Paul, actually, to a certain extent. Okay. In, in terms of my key statistics, I'm looking for guys that have done very well so far on this PGA Tour season, total birdies. Mm-hmm. So I like total birdies, firstly, because clearly they're making lots of birdies. Secondly, because they focused on the PGA Tour since the start of the year. And I think that's quite important when you look at the likes of Duffner, Swafford. They'd got lots of outings on the PGA Tour and built up some some momentum before they turned up here. Even last year, remember Adam Hadwin, 59, and on that really windy day on the Saturday? Yeah. He, his last outing had been Mayakoba for the OHL Classic, mm. where he'd finished 10th and where he'd finished third for green in, greens in regulation. So there you've got a fantastic putter who'd been hitting tons of greens on his last outing, even though it was back in November. Yeah. Um, so it kind of fits. So that's where I've headed. I think a little bit of driving accuracy doesn't help around here. Um, I think you've got to... Tr- I mean, all sorts can win here. Greens in regulation, you know, good putters, guys that um, hit less greens but putt well... But you look at Swafford and uh, Duffner, both, uh, I think Duffner was 75, you know, 75% of greens in regulation and Swafford was 83% greens in regulation. Yep. 
For me, it's a ball striker potentially who's actually hitting, uh, found some form with the putter and who is making lots of birdies as they fly into California. You, yep. you, you see, well, it's, it's one of these events for me where it's here and now. Yep, yeah, yeah, no, you, you've got to be. You've got to be confident you're getting the ball in the hole, absolutely. I, I agree but with that. you've got to be motivated. You're not there just for a good time and keep the rust off because you're looking forward to Torrey Pines next week. You've really got to be hungry for a victory. You know? So that's where I'm heading with this. So um, I am going for the following players, and it might shock a few people, but um, the, the, these are my value losers this week. Right, I'm going first selection... Uh, I'm going Russell Knox, one and a half points each way at 66 to 1. Now, Knox, you think to yourself, well, he's not the greatest putter in the world, well, nor was Hudson Swafford or Jason Duffner. But the thing I like about Knox right now is, um, if you look at Wileye last week, he, didn't he shoot a 63, I think it was, in round two or round three? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he found some form with the putter and, and, um, at that point. Um, yeah, he, he, that's right. He was shot a 64 in round two. He also shot a 65 in round three. And then he went a little bit backwards in round four. I don't mind that. Then the other thing I like about Knox is metronomic greens in regulation, as we know, when he finds form, yeah? Yep. Green after green after green after green. Very neat and tidy off the tee. Um, I noticed with Knox, um, he was eighth, sixth for greens in regulation uh, at uh, the RSM Classic before Christmas. He was seventh for greens in regulation last week at Wireline. And I was slightly surprised by his winning scores. 25 under when he won on the web.com. And when you remember he won the HSBC Champions at Shizan, another yeah, yeah, yeah. very short par 72, 20 under. Yeah, he can score when he's, uh, as you say, he needs a short track, um, and uh, you know when he's putting well, he can, uh, he can, he can rack up the scores. I agree. Tenth, eleventh, and thirteenth at Wyalai, as we know, Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass Greens, uh, PGA National and Nicholas Golf Course. He's finished second and third. Harbour Town second. Um, TPC Sawgrass, a Pete Dye, you know his most famous design of the lot. 17th and 19th, but as you know with Knox, that does not tell the whole story whatsoever because he came very, very close to winning one player's championship a few a couple of years ago and then he had that disaster yeah, at the 17th, 17th in the final yeah. round. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting, he's an interesting player for me, Knox. I just get the feeling he's, he can win on the PGA Tour. Um, he's got an uptrend in his form. Bit of desire, I expect, to, to really go well in a tournament and, and contend and potentially grab... Uh, his third PGA Tour win. I just think 66 to 1, that's a real sweet spot, as we know, in terms of a price. I'm going one and a half points each way, 66 to 1 with Stan James. That's the, that's the only 66s out there at the moment. Uh, next up, another player who is not scared to win a PGA Tour event. Um, a little bit different to the likes of Shay Reavy, who you're finding at very short prices and has only ever won once. But Chris Kirk, point each way at 60 to 1 with Bet Fred. Um, Kirk, four PGA Tour wins. Um, he was eighth here after 54 holes last year and then went backwards. But again, you look at Kirk, very, very comfortable on Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass Greens because he plays well at the Sony pretty much every year. He did again last uh, last week. Um, shot, shot to eminence, didn't he? This is the other thing I like about Kirk. He's been starting tournaments on fire. 
And I think one of the things you've really got to do in these birdie fish, you've got to set your stall out early because it's really, really tough to have a slow first round and get back to the to the yeah. top of the leaderboard. I mean, Swads, uh, Swafford was f uh, second after round one. Duffness was first after round one. Um, Bill Hass, 16th. Patrick Reed first. So for me, a fast start's really important. Chris Kirk's come out of the traps really quickly at both the RSM Classic and also last week at the Sony Open. Again, four PGA Tour wins. Hasn't won for a period of time. He's hitting tons of greens. He's putting nicely. Tee to green games in great shape. Um, I think he was. I think he was uh, twenty or twenty-one odd birdies last week at the Sony. Um, I just think he's the kind of player that, again, you will see popping up at the top of the leaderboard or potentially winning. Oh yeah, Chris Kirk. I can't believe I missed him. He's finished in the top ten twice in his last two outings, and he was still sixty to one. Yeah. So yeah, Kirk point each way at sixties. Are you following my logic, Paul? Yeah, you, absolutely. Am, am I talking total and utter gobbledygook here, or, <laughs> should, or should I be backing Brian Armand at fourteen to one? No, no. I think uh, again, going back to the, the prices you talked about winning this and, and the logic. No, I, I agree. I think I think Kirk's got a great shout this week, and as you said, you know, you need to be up the pace, um, up with the pace from the start with these events because you go and shoot seventy-two the first round in all likelihood you're going to have to go and shoot a 60 somewhere further down the line to get yourself back in the mix and you know best one in the world that's that's not uh, that, that's not the easiest thing to do so Adam Hadwin did that last year but that that is you know that's the exception rather than it's the an exception exactly now if this next tip goes horribly breasts up Paul I'm blaming you <laughs> because this is the kind of player that religiously I would pass over have nothing to do with him mm. statistically he doesn't work for me, although his statistics are far stronger than I expected. Yeah. Um, oh, let's tempt you with this one. So this player, I couldn't believe this, 39th in the world. You think, right, okay, so 39th in the world. Seventh on his last outing. Brilliant. Fired in, I think it was 25 birdies. Uh, 24, 24 birdie or better, so eagles or birdies at, at Kapalua, yeah, which was, um, I think it was second or third best to Dustin Johnson, who was way out there with 29. And he's 66 to 1, this guy. He's, he's, won, he's won the tournament. Won the event, yeah. yeah, he's won the event, yeah. And listen to this. Three PGA Tour victories, all of them on courses that have involved a Jack Nicholas design. So you think, sign me up, didn't you? Sign me up for that. Johnny Vegas, a point each way at 66 to 1. Yeah, I think Vegas is a great shout this week. 27 under he shot when he won this back in um, 2012. I know that was 90 holes. Uh, 21 under when he won at Glen Abbey last year. Again, another Jack Nicholas design. Uh, he's finished fifth at TPC Louisiana, which you think about it, Louisiana. Jason Duffner's won TPC Louisiana. It's a Pete Dye design. And seventh at TPC Sawgrass, yeah? Yeah, Pete, Dye, Pete Design's most eminent design. Pete Dye's most eminent design. So he can play Dye designs. He can play Nicholas designs. And I was just amazed at how... Con Sorry, I was almost going to use the word consistent about Johnny Vegas. <laughs> I just managed to stop myself. But his results of late have been far more impressive than people actually give him credit for. Um, I saw third um, in the playoffs uh, 
uh, in autumn. He was seventh at the Tournament of Champions, as we said. He was third at the Northern Trust. Do you remember that was the one where Spieth and Dustin Johnson had the playoff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was clearly first at the Canadian Open, 17th at the Bridgestone Invitational, um, fourth at the Honda Classic last year. Honda Classic, PJ National. Oh, wait a minute, that's a Jack Nicholas design. So it kind of comes together for me. He's actually hitting quite a lot of fairways for Johnny Vegas. And as we know with Johnny, when he's playing well, he's, he's normally the kind of guy that can hit a lot of greens in regulation. He did that here last year, but his putter was literally stone cold when he arrived here. Yeah. So he was 34th last year, and you think, well, that's not very good. But actually, I think he was second. I think he was fourth after round one. He'd shot a seven or eight under. Uh, to get the tournament off rocking. But he wasn't in form. He didn't have a great deal of confidence and he and he slowly ebbed away. But you just think to yourself, if he can get a cracking start again this week, based upon how well he was playing at Kapalua, you don't think Kapalua and Johnny Vegas go together because the greens there are so tough. But he putted really well last week, uh, two weeks ago at Kapalua. And when he's got confidence in his putter, you can just see Vegas going out there and ripping it up. Yeah. So I, I think Vegas is an interesting angle this week. So I, I filled my boots sixty six to one on Johnny Vegas. Again, I will blame you on Friday morning when he shoots three over par. Okay, we shall see. And then two more. Um, I've gone JJ Spawn a point each way eighty to one again with Coral. They're seven places each way fifty odd odds. Coral this week. Spawn again to me. If you if you're thinking, I you know this as well, Paul. What the, my my headline tip this week was going to be Ollie Schneider Jans, yeah, uh, who again played really well last week at the Sony Open, but I think he finished seventh or eighth. He headed a birdie or better conversion there, a lot a lot of birdies last week, but he's pulled out, which is great because clearly he didn't really fancy it or he's got a slight tweak, whatever that reason is. But for me, JJ Spawn is one of those players that if you're looking for a first ever maiden victor. And we know that that happens at this tournament quite regularly. Swafford last year, for example. I think Spawn could be right up there. Didn't do a great deal last week, Spawn, until the final round where he finished with a 4-under-66, which was ninth, tied ninth best in the field. So I like that. Finished last week very well. He actually was okay for birdies last week. But the thing I do like about Spawn is the way that he's contended in a lot of tournaments across what I classify as the old fall season last last year. And I don't know if you remember, he uh, Spawn was second at uh he was second at Sea Island, which as we know, Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass Greens. He then uh I think he was fifty four lead fifty four hole leader at the Shriners Open, uh which again Las Vegas played in the desert. Um, so he, he he comes into this with a 10th, a 14th, a 2nd. Um, I think he finished last week very strongly. And then you look at previous um, performances from him. 6th at the Pete Dye um, designed the, uh, the Heritage Tournament, which they play um, the week after the Masters. Um, I for, what, I've forgotten the name of the course. Harbour Town. Uh, he was fourth at the Phoenix Open again last year. Phoenix Open, TPC Scottsdale in the desert. Ninth at Torrey Pines. And if you look at his record on the web.com, he, can't, he was second in Utah. Second at the Air Capital Classic at Wichita, uh, the Wichita Open, as it was called. Now, I like that tournament. That's a weird one. Air Capital Classic, Wichita, uh, Wichita 
over Kansas Way. If you look at previous winners of that tournament, Paul, Jason Duffner, yeah. Pat, Pat, uh, Pat Perez has played very, very well there. Mm-hmm. Hudson Swafford finished third there. And Johnny Vegas has won there as well. Yeah, it seems to be a, a strong uh, a strong correlation there, doesn't it? JJ Spawn second there in 2016. I just think with Spawn, he's one of those players that's hitting tons of greens. Putter started to warm at the end of last week. Um, he's clearly been putting very, very well. You don't finish second um, at the RSM Classic if you're not putting well. Uh, or contend at the Shriners if you're not putting well. He's just one of those logical extensions where if there's going to be a maiden first PGA Tour win, I fancy JJ Spawn at 80-1. to 1. He's also the kind of player that you should potentially be looking at in your DraftKings teams as well because he's been, uh, he's been very, very consistent of late. Finally, I've just gone for a pretty random uh, punt at the end of the day. Now, there was 400-1 to 1 about this guy available. I'm just going to look on Odds Checker right now to see what I'm seeing on him. Um, Bo Hosler. To me, he's one of the better graduates. Uh, yeah, that 400 to one's long gone. I'm seeing him in at 150 now on William Hill. I managed to get him yesterday tea time when we published at 300 to one with William Hill, six place each way of 50 odds. I. I just like Hosler. Um, again, he's got an Air Capital Classic link. Um, he can shoot very low scores. Um, he hit tons and tons of greens at the Sony last week, even though he missed the cut. So he's got the rust off his game. And I made a note a couple of uh, appearances ago. Give him a little bit of space off the tee. Um, if you remember, he was first after 54 holes at the Shriners, which again, Las Vegas played in the desert. He contended also at Sanderson Farms. I just think if you give him some tea, uh, if you give him a bit of width and you give him a test that isn't particularly classical or where you need a lot of experience, I just think Hosler has a lot of tools. I mean, he's a very, very streaky scorer, a great putter, and he's clearly hitting tons of greens last week. I just think his price of 400 to 1 and 300 to 1 that was available from some bookmakers last night was that's a crazy price when at the RSM Classic two outings ago he was as short as 66 and 50 to 1 yeah that's that's a cracking price so i am going just to recap on Bo Hosler half a point each way at 300 to 1 JJ Spawn a point each way 80 to 1 with Coral uh, seven places on that uh, six places on William Hill 50 odds for all of them Vegas, a point each way, 66 is Chris Kirk, 60 to 1. And I'm also going Russell Knox, a one and a half points each way, 66 to 1 with Stan James. Who do, just to, what, what are your views on the career builder? Who, who have jumped to your attention? Yes, a, a kind of similar approach to, to you, I guess, um, in that I, I want someone who's hitting or making a lot of birdies first and foremost. And um, looking at last week, the players that caught my eye were Schneider Jans. I'd have been absolutely, um, you know, hundred percent with you on, uh, on on picking Ollie, but um, but yeah, he's it, sadly pulled out, which is a shame because um, 
you know, on paper, it would appear to have had a decent chance. Yeah, um, definitely. Vegas is, as, as you said, um, is, is one that I've backed, and I think he's got a good chance this week. Um, a couple of longer prices that I that did stand out to me: um, Sam Saunders, who Mister Mister Carl, he's either Mister Carl, he's Mister Carl, and uh, and finished quite low down on the two starts he has had here. But last week, um, he Tw- twenty three birdies, one eagle. Yeah, produced twenty three and an eagle last week, and um, you know. 200 to 1, I think, is the kind of upwardly mobile player who could sneak a place in this kind of event. Um, yeah. clearly, clearly, he's capable of scoring at that kind of level. Um, he finished second in the um, the web top, web.com uh, grand final, I think, at the back end of the year. So, he's, yeah. his form, form's in a pretty, pretty decent nick. And, uh, yeah, he's had his out in last week, so let's see how he goes. Um, and the other one that caught my eye, and I know a few of the guys on the Facebook group have been talking about it, is, uh, is Wee Kim. Now, Kim missed the cut last week, um, but if you go back to the back end of last year, um, he finished fourth in the CJ Cup and second at the Shriners, which you mentioned uh, a couple yeah. of times a few minutes ago. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you know, when uh, when he's playing well, we Kim can get that putter going very nicely indeed. Um, again, you know, no, nothing particular to talk about in terms of uh, course form until last year. Finished seventeenth, he produced a sixty-three in the third round. Um, and uh, you know when the when the prices first came up yesterday, uh, you get four hundred to one against Weekend. Um, there's still two fifties available with seven each way with uh, Coral right now. So that's madness. Four hundred to one. Wow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, you fancy a, just a you know a, a long shot punt in the dark, then um, there's far worse picks you could. Uh, you can make them weak him, I think. So. There's a few others. Like, yeah, Brian Gay, we know that he can go well around here. We know that he's been making tons of birdies recently. Um, there was also Paul Peterson. He popped up. Not Paul Peterson. Who, who's the, there's a Peterson guy. John Peterson. John Peterson. Yeah. He's on a he's on a major medical, and he he was he I think he was second after 50, thirty six holes last week. Yeah, 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 two fifties this week. So. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that could just pop up from nowhere. Mm-hmm. But just looking at the birdies and the eagles from last week, Saunders was definitely one that jumped out at me. But then you have got Keziah Simpson, Brian Harmon, James Hahn, Tom Hogue, Brian Stewart, Ben Martin, Scott Piercy played very well last week. He could be another one. That's interesting. Have a close look at him, listeners. Yeah, he's, 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 again, he's not got great form here, but he's he hasn't. He's, no, he's won, didn't he? When um, he won in Reno, didn't he? Um, a few years back. So yeah, clearly he's, uh, yeah. He he has got form on all of the desert tracks apart from this one. So whether he, do, I don't know. He's and he's also done well at Wildlife for. So there's the Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass box ticked. But for some reason, he hasn't played brilliantly in the past. Um, that doesn't mean a great deal in terms of this event. You might find he just pops up, but there's 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 something definitely rumbling. I think with Scott Piercy, he was forty first here last year, so he has played this format. He's one to watch out for, I think. But all of those previous names I've mentioned, just look. You know, if trends follow trends follow trends, all of those guys that are in the top five or six last week at the Sony won't get an each way place this week no matter what their price yeah so that's yeah. just the way it seems to happen mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see if that kind of carries over again this year um i suppose that's it for us paul um thanks for your input this week yeah um i know that we've got some uh, great tournaments next week torrey pines and also the dubai desert classic to look forward to so yeah. thank you paul thanks for your time 
Yeah, no, good luck this week, Steve. Yeah, good luck to yourself. Um, keep hitting the uh, hitting the post. We might get something this week. And uh, thanks for listening. And we will see you again next week, guys. Thank you. And don't forget about those iTunes and uh, review comments. That would be fantastic. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye.